0: Well, graduation happened at the high school this week, and uh, it was a little bit different than most years, Uh, a lot different, but our our school system, I think in particular, uh, did a great job in still honoring the graduates. And I know uh, Mountaineering Christian Academy, they've put theirs off for a couple more weeks and they're planning to uh, honor their graduates and have their graduation uh, upcoming. And normally on, on this Sunday of the year, we would bring all the graduates up and we would introduce them, and, and you'd, you'd find out their names, and, and these are students that have either um, are your kids, or they've been regular on Wednesday night with us, so we've got, um, we've got just a little video uh, that they have uh, helped put together, um, Nate kind of put it together for us, but they, they've all sent something in, and uh, we're going to get to meet some of the graduates that uh, call House of Prayer home, so here's a little video for you. Hey House of Prayer, my name is Jessie Holbrook. I'm a recent graduate from Union County High School, and my plans going forward include going to UNG Dahlonega and entering the nursing program, then transferring and becoming a certified nurse midwife. Hi, my name is Zoe Sanchez, and I am graduating from Union County High School. I will be attending Mercer University in the fall, and I will be pursuing a degree in biology with a focus in microbiology and or immunology. And I will be running for Mercer and I'm excited. Hi, um, I'm Right Hogson and um, I graduated from Union County High School. And in the fall, um, I don't know where I'm going yet, but I think I'm gonna go get a, uh, start a career in physical therapy by going to college. I'm Caitlin King and I attended Union County High School in the fall i will be attending the university of north georgia in dahlonega to obtain a bachelor's degree in mathematics education to become a high school math teacher hi my name is abby hartzog and i graduated from mountain area christian academy and i'm considering going to north georgia technical college in blairsville to do cosmetology Hello, my name is Sawyer Bry. I uh, graduated from Union County High. Um, my plans for this fall are to pursue a computer science degree and hopefully do something in cybersecurity. Hi I'm Summer Conley. I graduated from Union County High School and my plans for the fall semester is to attend University of North Georgia and to major in journalism in the future. Yeah. Hello, my name is Nathaniel Kolb, part of the graduating class of 2020 from Union County High School and my plan for the fall is in order to go to North Georgia Tech to get my core classes and then continue on to become a teacher. So we've got one of these uh, apologetic study Bibles for each of the uh, graduates, and we'll be getting them into their hands in the next couple of weeks. So, man, we're super proud. Hopefully some of our graduates are tuning in uh, on the live stream. We're super proud of you guys, and of course, Abby's here. Stand up, Abby. I want everybody to see Abby's here with us. And um, great things lie ahead for this, for this group, and uh, just looking forward to what the Lord has for each one of them. Um, I wanna talk about change this morning, and our graduates are getting ready for change. And uh, we've all been experiencing change here in the last two months. And um, last week, if you were with us, Pastor Jerry preached a sermon about the four lepers who were, they were outside of the city of Samaria, and the city was besieged, they couldn't go into the city. Uh, because they were lepers. If they could, there was no food. And of course, the enemy awaited them if they left anywhere. So they just thought, at, at some point, they said, you know what, we're just going to die if we stay here. Let's at least go. Maybe, maybe they'll give us something to eat. And so he titled the message, Don't Just Sit There and Die, Get Up and Try. And uh, it was a timely message, talked about the fact that um, we, we should be excited about the treasure that we have. They found treasure in the enemy camp and that's the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, we were reminded to remember the need that other people have to know of this great treasure, and then this idea that there is a day of accounting coming for each one of us, how we lived our lives, what did we do at the time that we had. And so the, the title of the message was, Don't Just Sit There and Die, Get Up and Try. Well, this morning, I'm going to share with you the story of a company who it basically sat there and died. And uh, you are familiar with the Kodak Film Company, and they were they were, they were pioneers, really, in the in the film industry. Um, and by film, I mean camera roll film, not you know not Hollywood. But um, Eastman, I think, was the was the founder of this company in the late 1800s, and they used uh, I don't even the dry plates, you know, to record images, and then they switched to black and white film moving to color film. So you familiar, anybody not familiar with, with uh, Kodak film that we call having a Kodak moment. We don't even really use that term anymore. But for our students, before you had your digital camera, ask your parents about the role of film. <laughs> well, here's, so, so here's the, here's the, here's the deal with the Kodak uh, company. They were innovators. They were leaders. They were It was, you know, arguably the most successful photography business. And listen to this, 1975, Steve Sasson, a Kodak engineer, invented the first digital camera. All right, Kodak, uh, a Kodak engineer developed the first digital camera. This is what the management said. This is what the Kodak Corporation said. That's cute. Don't tell anyone about it. Boy, was that a mistake. So as time progressed, that was 1975, as time progressed, Kodak actually invented a digital camera that transferred the image onto the roll of film. You still had to buy the film and go and get it developed. So they were, they were fixated on film photography when everything was moving digital. So this is a company that was, that was founded and had spent over 100 years being innovative, being creative, finding ways for people to capture special moments into a picture. And they lost sight of the fact that that was their goal, capturing special moments into a picture for people to have, and they fixated on film photography. And so, while they were fixated on film photography, the photography industry left them behind, they declared bankruptcy in 2012. So this is a a bit of an oversimplification of their problem, but they were focused on the method of capturing the picture instead of their true mission, which was just to capture these moments for people. So our school system, on the other hand, uh, kudos to them, they realized that as coronavirus shut down the country, that the mission was not to keep kids in the classroom, The mission was to have kids finish their school year, and particularly our seniors, have our seniors graduate with a diploma. So instead of figuring, instead of spending their time trying to keep kids in the classroom, they said, we're gonna have to figure out a different way to do this. Our mission, our goal is to give these kids a diploma. And so obviously they went online and they they did a great job. They're having their graduations and they're moving forward. So we are constantly in a changing world and sometimes we get fixed on something that we shouldn't be fixed on. Uh, so it does leave a question, are, is there a constant? Is there something that we can fix on? But the reality is right now, especially, changes everywhere. Like how you go to the doctor has changed. How you go pick up your prescription has changed. The grocery store and Home Depot, they're, like, they're, they're counting to see how many people go in the stores. Um, If you um, eat at a restaurant, for a while we weren't even allowed to go in, and now we can go in, and there's space. Everything has changed. And so you might say, well, Pastor Jeff, yeah, we're we're dealing with a lot of change, but this is an exceptional period of time. Like, this isn't the norm. And if you are kind of thinking that way, I would encourage you to go and look at your high school graduation picture. And uh, then you will see, okay, yes, things are changing. And some of, there's been a thing on Facebook where people are posting their graduation picture in support of our graduates who are, and I'll tell you, I saw some of your graduation pictures and you have changed. <laughs> so if our graduates were to uh, Abby, if you go back to Mountainary Christian Academy in August and ask where your classroom is, they're going to say, I'm sorry, Abby, it is time to move on. Like, that ship has sailed for you. You have to deal with it. And yet, there seems to be, and I, uh, part of me is this way as well, uh, we, wish, we just wish we could go back to the way that it was. So we're talking, um, um, you know, maybe for some of you not so older, but some of our young adults, you're wishing you could be back in high school. Or maybe some of us are wishing for the college days or wishing for... And if we could just go back to before the divorce or before the sickness or back when I didn't have that extra 20 pounds or (laughs) before the job loss, before we we have a thing in our minds sometimes we just think, man, I wish we could go back to when it was like... And you fill in the blank... Um, Right now, the the buzzword is, what will the new normal be? That's what we're talking about. Well, the new normal will be this way, the new normal will be that way. And so right now, I feel like we have a a real recognition that um, the future won't be like the past was, but we're not there yet. Like, we're we're not where it's going to be. It's not going to be like it was, we know that, but we're certainly not going to keep it this way, but we're also not quite where we want to be yet. And as I thought about that, what I realized is that's not a coronavirus statement. Like, that's just a life truth. This is, I'm not thinking that way, I am thinking that way because of the coronavirus, but the truth of the matter is, even if we weren't dealing with that, we can't go back to the way that it was. Our future is not going to be like it is right now. But we do have the moment we have right now. So the past is gone, the future's not here yet, but we have today, and we need to be operating out of that. So, high school graduates, Abby, and others maybe watching online, uh, you know, college is waiting you. The workforce is waiting you. A future awaits you. You can't go back to high school. For us as a church, we've had some major changes in the, in the last couple of months. Basically, we had like, it feels like we had 20 years of change in one week when we said, okay, we're not going to meet, we're going to be online. And I'm uh, don't quote me on that. I don't want to be meeting online only in 20 years. I want to be meeting in person. But, but, but things have just changed completely. And um, the question is, is there anything that stays the same? We're getting there. Because while we're thinking about change, we have to realize that some change, and really a lot of change, is actually really something to get excited about. And uh, after all, if you think about what we're here for this morning, we're here because we want to change. We want to be more like Christ. We're here because a lot of us, at some point, our life changed completely. And we're going to read a couple verses of this. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 through 11 says this, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality. Nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Oh, can I say that? that, that, that scripture the scripture says it. Now he was, spe- okay, Paul, Paul was speaking to a specific group of individuals. We don't know. We know they, were, they lived in Corinth, but maybe some of us were like that. But, right, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So this is some change we could be excited about. Like we were, we were one way, we accepted the Lord, and now we are a new creation. We can be excited about that. And so some of you are still kind of like not completely convinced and you're like, Pastor Jeff, I read that list and I was pretty good growing up and I didn't really get into all that mess. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2. You were dead in the trespasses and sins. This is, again, written to a church. In which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Okay, so now I can say that's all of us. All right? Scripture says, this is how we all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. That's us. That's a description of who we are before Christ. But God, it says, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespass, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved, and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that the coming in the coming ages he might show the immeasurably immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one could boast. That's a bunch of scripture. But it is showing us that God is in the business of changing people. Like that is, God doesn't want us to be, uh, he doesn't want us to be lost and separated from him. Once we've accepted him, he doesn't want us to stay the way that we are. He wants us to continually be growing, continually uh, becoming more like his son. It's a process that we call sanctification. And it's something that you never, you, we ne- look, we never get to say, I have arrived. I have gotten to the level of Christianity that I want to be at. I'm done. Not, not on this earth. When we, when we go to heaven, we get our glorified body. That'll be a new story. But for now, it is a process of change that we should be, a part of. Okay, so some of you are like me. You're like, okay, but there's got to be... Some, I need something that doesn't change. And the good news is we've got some things that don't change too. Malachi 3, verse 6 says, I, the Lord, do not change. That's about as straight as it gets. That's God speaking to us. I do not change, the Lord says. Hebrews thirteen eight. it's just as direct. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. All right, those are some good truths that we can... Rest on. God is our rock. God is our anchor. He's unchanging. All right, the Westminster Shorter Catechism states this God is unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. All right, that's a lot of ways our God doesn't change. All right, he is not, he is who he is. He's not getting wiser, he's not becoming stronger. He's not becoming uh, more powerful or more holy. He is perfectly holy. He is all-powerful. He is full of wisdom. He's full of truth. Um, He's perfect in his justice. He's always good. These things don't change about our God, and those are things that we can celebrate. So some change we want to celebrate when we're changing, when we see other people change, and then some, some things we want to celebrate the fact that they don't change, and this is who God is for us. So this is why a verse like Psalm 18, verse 2, we like to go to a verse like this, because it says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. So we go to a verse like that because we want to be able to anchor ourselves in something. We want to be able to say, just be able to hold on to something and say, this is true no matter what, no matter what circumstance no matter how many extra 20 pounds I gain, no matter what job loss, no matter what family circumstance, I'm going to hold on to these truths, and they'll never change. So we're going to, be, um, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Um, if you got your Bibles, turn there, and I know we've already been in some scripture, but this is what we're going to just really study for a minute. And this is a church that was confusing, I think, some of the things that they needed to hold tightly to and some of the things they needed to hold loosely to. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul's writing to the church, and it's a little bit of a rebuke. He's really saying to them in, this, in these verses, hey, you're not quite where you're supposed to be. Let me, let me help you with this. And so we are, um, we're going to look at this together. Now, these are the same, this is the same book that I just read, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and he was listing all of, the, all of the ways they used to be, but he said to them, look, you've been washed, you've been sanctified, you've been justified, you've been born again, essentially. You are a new creation. These are the people that, that Paul's writing to. And he says, uh, But I, brothers, in verse one, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it, and even now you are not yet ready. So he's writing to a church and he's saying to him, Look, you've been saved, you've accepted the Lord as your Savior you should be growing, you should be maturing, you should be changing. He said, but I'm fi- I can't find you, you're still a baby. Like, you can't, you can't care for yourself. And think about a baby. They can't feed themselves, they can't dress themselves, they don't think for themselves, they don't make decisions. They, they're basically just at the... The, the whim of the caretaker. And so Paul saying to him, look, like I'm feeding you, I'm taking care of you, I'm making decisions for you. You should be able to eat solid food by now. You should be growing, you should be maturing, but you're not. And we'll see one of the things that they were hung up on. Verse 3 says, For you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh, and behaving only in a human way? So we all behaved in a human way. in those verses in uh, 1 Corinthians 6 and Ephesians chapter 2 kind of describe those humanly ways that we were. And he said, you're still doing that. You're, you're jealous. You're, you're arguing. There's, um, there's conflict among you and you're just, you're just acting as, as in a human way. Like, where's the Christ-likeness that should be growing and developing in you? Verse 4, this is, this is the issue that he wants to deal with. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. So uh, there's some sort of conflict between the the Christians, between the church, over who they were going to follow. Some liked Paul. Some liked Apollos. So maybe... Uh, it doesn't really give us a, a description. Maybe maybe, um, maybe one was, was more quiet, reserved. Maybe one loved that one-on-one interaction. They just liked to meet a few believers at a time, you know, in the market, and they would discuss things. And maybe that was Paul. I don't know. Maybe Apollos was like a flamboyant preacher. And you got some people saying, man, I love going to that rally that Apollos had. And that some of the churches are saying, no, he's, he's, he's just looking for the glory. You've got to you meet with Paul. And then we'll really look at the old, some Old Testament truths in a little group. I don't know what it was. But somehow they were divided, and they were arguing over whose way was the best way. And Paul rebukes them. And he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. He's like, you should be celebrating what God is doing in your midst. Not what I did, not what Apollos did. Um, who, who are we, he's saying? We're nobody. You're, you're hung up on this method. You're hung up on that method. But the truth is, you need to let God do his work. And I think this is timely for us because obviously this is we're calling this our year of transition. And you could say in our setting, well, who's Pastor Jerry? Who's Pastor Jeff? Who's Pastor Daryl? Who's Mildred LaCroix? Who's Peter Coe? Some of you guys don't know Peter Coe, but he's our new youth pastor. You're going to get to know him. Uh, you, you'll love them more than the rest of us. But the, the, the bottom line is, like, who, who, who are we? But, but Paul says, just servants. We're, we're doing what God's assigned us to do. And we have to recognize that any good thing that comes out of this meeting this morning is because God's giving it the growth. Any good thing that comes out of our Sunday school program is because God's giving the growth. Can you know, I like Bible camp? We love it, right? We celebrate it. Um, but it's not the camp we're celebrating. We're celebrating the fact that lives are changed because of the time spent there. And so this is, the, this is their conflict, though, here in this. They were hung up on who was doing what and how they were doing it instead of just celebrating who God was and the fact that God was changing lives. Because they're talking about there was growth. God says there was, the, the, Paul says there was growth, and they were just hung up over how it was happening. So, change is inevitable. What Paul says here, um, verse 7, Neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Let's not worry about this person or that per- person, this program or that program. Let's worry about what God, where God's working. He who plants and he who waters are one. We're one body. And each will receive his wages according to his labor. We are God's fellow workers. You are God's field and God's building. So as we as we move forward as a church, as we come out of coronavirus and we're trying to make adjustments and changes, I mean, doesn't matter if we're six feet apart, if we're three feet apart, if we've got a pew. Roped off, or all these things are going to change. Like, this isn't how we're going to do it. But as we're moving forward, we're focusing on what God's doing, not the method that we're doing it. So, for our graduates, there's a lesson here, I think, for you guys as well. Like, you've had your parents as a main influencer. Um, Abby, talking to your only graduate, but some other young people that are kind of trying to spread their wings. Parents as a, as a primary influence, teachers as a primary influence when you move out and go to college when you're out on your own all of a sudden new voices professors roommates coworkers um who do you trust what line of thinking can you believe in and verse 10 and 11 kind of lays out this is kind of this is the litmus test like should you follow paul should you follow paul well it depends on what they're teaching and this is what it says according to the grace of god given to me like a skilled master builder, this is Paul speaking, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So Paul says, look, this is, this, this is your foundation. Jesus Christ is your foundation. This is, this is where it all starts, he says. He said, that's, that's what I laid down. That's what Apollos was building on. Probably Apollos and Paul, they're, they're dead. People came behind them and built further on the foundation that they started. But Paul said the key is the foundation must be Jesus Christ. He's the foundation. Jesus is the one that died for our sins. It's because of his grace and his love and his mercy that we have new life. It's Jesus is the one that gives us a hope in the future. And um, 1 Corinthians 15 speaks of this a little bit. Paul said, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So this is the foundation that Paul's talking about. Jesus Christ, he came, he lived on the earth, he lived the perfect life, but he willingly died on the cross for you, he willingly died on the cross for me, He was buried, but he didn't stay in the tomb. He rose from the dead. He's in heaven with the Father, and we have this future. That's that's our hope. That's the foundation that Paul laid with the Corinthian church. And Paul said, look, as long as someone is building on this foundation, it doesn't matter what their name is, where they came from, what their method is. Let's build on this foundation that Jesus Christ came. He died on the cross for our sins, and he's given us new life. He's the one that has the victory over death, and the grave, and he's the foundation. So if you're looking for some sort of consistency, if you're looking for like an anchor point, if you're looking for something that's immovable, something that'll never change, then build your life on this foundation of Jesus Christ. Make Jesus the foundation. Decide, look, I will follow him. I will, I will go where he leads no matter what. Choose that you'll continually be in this process of sanctification. Like, I'm going to study my Bible, and I'm going to read the Word, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to find out what Jesus was like, and I'm going to model my life after Him. This is a foundation that leads to continual change, but it's based on something that will never change. And that's what we all, that's what we all need. So this is one thing that you'll discover as as you study Jesus' life and you're asking these questions, well, what's important to Jesus? What did uh, he teach on? What did he ask of us? Well, like, what does Jesus ask of me? Did he have like uh, like specific commands that he repeated? Um, and when we do that, we begin to see what God's heart is for all of us. And as we um, as we focus on. Uh, understanding the Word, and studying it, and being in prayer, then I believe that that something's going to rise to the surface, and this is something that we could all um, say, this will be my mission for my life. Like, we could, all, we could all have the same mission, and it could be a mission that never changed for the rest of our life. If you're looking for something that won't change. So, in the book of Matthew, um, it, it, it can be said sometimes that someone's last words are sometimes at least in that moment, a dying person will communicate what they feel is just the most important thing, the most pressing thing, maybe the thing that's most close to them. And if we look in the book of Matthew, Matthew records the final words of Jesus that Matthew records is that we are to go into the world and make disciples of all nations. If we look in the book of Mark, we see that he records some of Jesus' last words talking about preaching the gospel to the whole world. If you look in the book of John, we'll see some of Jesus' last words was, were instructions to Peter. Peter, go and feed my sheep. Um, in in uh, Luke, he wrote the book of Luke, but also the book of Acts. And the beginning of the book of Acts, we see Jesus going back to heaven. And Luke records Jesus' instructions that we are to be witnesses to all the world. And so I would probably summarize it this way, that we have been called to a mission of leading others into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. So the first thing is first is make sure you're in a growing relationship with Jesus and then lead others to be in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's something that I believe Jesus was communicating 2,000 years ago, and that's a truth that hasn't changed. So if you're looking for something to anchor on, you're like, man, I just need some direction for my life. This is what I'm giving you this morning. Say, I'm going to live a life that leads others into a growing relationship with Jesus. So there are constants that we can cling to in this changing world that we live in. Um, who God is, his character, his promises, his word, it doesn't change. The truth in his word doesn't change. So we can hold on to some of the things, but then we can also kind of just let go of some of the things that kind of seem to be with, beyond our grasp, and we've had to do that, and we've made some major changes to our ministry here in the last few weeks, and hey, I'm with you. I'm looking forward to the new normal. But I think this is showing us that we can do things completely differently, arguably in ways that we'd rather not do them, but we can still accomplish the mission that God's given us. i got to find my spot. Okay, some things we can cling to. All right, God loves you. He loves me. We can cling to that. God works together, all things together for the good of those who love him. We can cling to that. Uh, we can cling to his grace and his mercy, his holiness, his justice. Those things are not going to change. We can be, choose to be resolute in the things that he's commanded us. Like his commands to, to us have not changed. They are the same. Whether we obey them or not, that's the thing that's going to change there. Um, he calls us to be conformed to the image of His Son. That hasn't changed. We can love our neighbors as ourselves. That's something He's asked us to do. He's still asking us to do that today. So as we, as we grow in our relationship with the Lord, we can say, a lot of these things are things, okay, these are things that He's asked me to do, and I'm working on that. Um, uh, be conformed to the image of His Son. Be transformed through the renewing of your mind. Okay, I'm working on all these things. And arguably those might be like the milk stages. Like I'm trying to... Uh, I'm, I'm sort of self-focused in this that stage of my Christian life. Because, I mean, we all got things we got to improve on, right? But then I believe as we grow in our maturity, as we start chewing on that solid food, we realize there's other people that need to be in a relationship with Jesus. And we're called to be a part of that. So... My challenge to you this morning is to consider this. Make this your mission. Lead others into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Like, say, this is going to be my life mission. And, and, and you can say, well, I don't even know how to do that. That's a process. We'll, 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 you can get there as you work through it. We, we, as a church, we changed everything overnight. So we can make changes individually in our lives as well to accomplish this mission. So as our, our graduates are dreaming big right now, they're setting their goals, uh, they're making plans, uh, choosing their method and in, in, in how they're going to earn income. We heard a lot of um, exciting things there, looking at teaching, nursing, journalism, cosmetology, biology, computer science, physical therapy. You could tell me what, what, you, what you do for a living. It doesn't matter what, what we do. We can all have this same mission. Of leading others into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. So, no matter what life changes you experience this week, in the next month, in the next year, no matter what I experience, we can can choose to have this in common. And that's that's my challenge for everyone this morning, particularly a challenge for our graduates to continue to grow in your relationship with Jesus. And then as you do that, you realize that part of that growth is then to lead others to do the same thing. So why don't we just go to, to a moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, um, just thank you so much for your love. Uh, you sent your Son to die on the cross for our sins. And, and, and by the, the, the list that we read from Corinthians and Ephesians, um way that was describing us we were we were apart from you we were doing our own thing and while we were still sinners you died for us lord i pray that if there's someone here this morning that has never accepted that uh as a truth in their life that they would just use this opportunity this morning to um just admit that they're a sinner and in need of a savior uh Scripture just teaches that so clearly, Lord. Would you reveal that to someone this morning if they've never realized that before? Lord, I'm sure there's there's some in here this morning um, knowing you for a long time maybe, or maybe just for a short time, and just really in the infant stage still, Uh, not really making any decisions for themselves. Wonderful that they're here this morning and, and learning and growing in you and understanding more about you but maybe that's all that the Christian life's been for, for some of us this morning is just, um, just wait to be fed on Sunday and then go about our business. Lord, I pray and ask that you be working in these hearts uh, to challenge them, Lord, to take this next step in a relationship with you, not just interested in their own personal growth, but concerned for the for the lives and the well being of the people around them. Uh, Lord, would you just would you work in our hearts? Would you stir in us that we would Um, choose today, no matter what our our background is, no matter how long we've walked with you, uh, for those who've never walked, would you would would you, Lord, just stir in our hearts to make a decision today that from today forward that Jesus Christ will be our foundation that we're going to build on, that we're going to we're going to be conformed to the image of your Son, and as we do that, we're going to do everything we can to bring others with us. And Lord, would you Um, would you just be at work as we close the service today? I pray this in Jesus' name.